0: Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Monday, February the 27th, 2023. And on today's podcast, we're going to preview the Kentucky Vanderbilt basketball game Wednesday night at Rupp Arena. It's a seven o'clock start on the SEC Network. Kentucky is coming off that big 86-54 win over Auburn on Saturday, arguably Kentucky's best game of the year. I would say certainly their most complete performance of the year, a 32 32- point victory over Bruce Pearl and the Tigers there at Rupp Arena. Vandy's been on a roll of late. The the Commodores have won six of their last seven games. They also won on Saturday. They won uh, 88-72 over Florida, sweeping the Gators in their season series. They beat Florida 88-80 down in Gainesville on February the 11th. To help me preview the game, I talk with our good friend Chad Bishop, who writes for Vanderbilt Athletics about the Commodores and how Jerry Stackhouse's team is playing right now. And to talk about the Wildcats, I talk with Ben Roberts, my friend and colleague at the Lexington Herald-Leader and kentucky.com. Before we get to that a couple of quick reminders, you can get a digital subscription to kentucky.com or a print subscription to the Lexington Herald Leader by going to kentucky.com, hitting on the subscription tab, checking out all the offers for subscriptions to kentucky.com and the Herald Leader. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at Kentucky.com. I appreciate everybody who supports the podcast. Leave us a rating review on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio Podcasts. That just really helps get the word out, helps more people find the podcast. And one more thing, you can follow me on Twitter at JohnClayIV. I sometimes neglect to mention that on the podcast. I want to get that in there as well. But mainly, I want to get in my interviews with with our two guests you you'll hear from Chad Bishop, who writes for Vanderbilt Athletics and covers all co- Vanderbilt sports. And then after that, you'll be hearing from our regular guest and good friend, Ben Roberts, who covers Kentucky basketball for their old leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, I want to welcome now into the podcast, a friend of the podcast, a good friend of the podcast, Chad Bishop, who writes for Vanderbilt Athletics. How's it going,
1: Chad? John, is going great. Uh, It's about to be March, right? So it's everybody's favorite time of year.
0: That's right. That's right. Absolutely. We are, uh, in fact, the game on, uh, if if my calendar is correct, the game on uh, Wednesday is March the 1st, 7 o'clock at Rupp Arena. What about this Vanderbilt basketball team? They have really come on of late, 16 and 13 overall, but nine and seven in the SEC. I think they've won six of their last seven. What's happened with the Commodores?
1: Man, I'll tell you John, uh, day by day Jerry Stackhouse is looking more like a genius because the Commodores as everybody knows went down to, to Tuscaloosa on that fateful night in January and lost by 57 to Alabama uh, and it, it looked really bad for the Commodores, you know. You know, fans were on the edge of their seat, you know, clamoring for maybe a head coaching change or or some big time roster changes. And like you said, they've won six to seven uh, since, and won five in a row at one point before stumbling at LSU. Just been playing a really, really nice brand of basketball. Really different. The the thing I've noticed is they've really been the aggressor in a lot of these games. And um, sounds simple, right? But they they've been coming out of the gates and really attacking. And uh, you know, from my vantage point, mostly I've seen a Vanderbilt basketball team that would sort of you know let the game play out, see see how things are going, see what the tempo is going to be. But you know, during these last you know three two to three weeks, they've really been taking it to the other team, and I think that started to their trip to Florida, where they just came out and, and couldn't miss, and just really attacked on both ends of the floor. And uh, they've been playing with a lot of confidence. Looks like they have a lot of their lineup rotation set, um, really set in stone at this point. Uh, and just been playing a really, really enjoyable brand of basketball to watch.
0: Yeah, you talked about that Alabama game. I know two games after that uh, beat Tennessee there at Memorial uh, Jim, uh, last second shot. But that had to be a big that had to be a big confidence boost for him, I would guess.
1: It just you know, I just after these you know last three plus years, you know, four seasons under Jerry Stackhouse, hadn't beaten Tennessee still have a beating in Kentucky, um, you know, a lot of offers and a lot of series. And that one just sort of sort of like opened the floodgates. Right. I mean, just kind of a big sigh of relief that the, the Combers were finally able to get over that proverbial hunt, hump. Excuse me, proverbial hump. Um, and, and it, you know, once that happened, it was it really was like a breath of fresh air. Like, OK, you know, these guys can do it. We can do it. We can night in, night out. Doesn't matter who we play. You know, yeah, they've beaten ranked opponents in the past and, they, and they've beaten, you know, had some big road games, road wins in the SEC. But that one just really, you know, was, I think, symbolic, I think would be a good word to to say, is really symbolic for this team to say, all right, we've taken that next step. We can beat our in-state rival. Let's go see if we can, you know, beat some of these other teams like the Floridas and the Arkansas and uh, maybe even beat a Kentucky later on in the season. to just really kind of um, raise that confidence level to that next, that next notch.
0: Yeah, beat Auburn. I watched that game where you beat Auburn uh, 67-65 on the last second shot. That was a game that went back and forth It really could have gone either way, but the Vanderbilt to pull that win out uh, was impressive to me. I know, too, when Kentucky played at, down in Nashville back on January 24th, got a 16-point win, but uh, Liam Robbins did not play in that game. Uh, how much has it helped to get him back, and what kind of differences he made?
1: They're just a totally different team. I mean, just imagine, you know, Kentucky losing Oscar Shwebway, right? I mean, it it would just be a different lineup and a different mentality and a different makeup with Liam in there. I mean, not only does he he really dominate the post and dominate the lane when it comes to blocking shots defensively and getting rebounds, uh, he can shoot the three. And so that just draws the defense out and and forces the defense to guard him. I mean, he's playing at... You know, dare I say, an NBA level, or maybe even an NBA G League level. He has really raised his game. So having him on the court just changes the dynamic because then it opens up shots for so many other guys on the roster. And when those guys are making shots, which they have been for the past two, three weeks, that's what's made Vanderbilt so good. So um, if he can bring his game to to Rupp Arena like he's been playing the last few weeks, uh, we'll be in store for a really sort of epic battle between him and Oscar on Wednesday.
0: Uh, you mentioned earlier about that Jerry Sackhouse kind of now has sort of a set lineup. You mentioned about God's hidden shots. Who sticks out for Vandy right now? Who's playing well?
1: It's Ezra Mignon, um, the, the point guard who, who transferred in this offseason. Um, he is really the catalyst that makes this Vanderbilt offense go. Um, and, you know, they lost that game down at LSU. Partly, you know, not the big reason, but part of that reason is Ezra Magnon was in foul trouble early on, and he wasn't on the court. Uh, he is just sort of your prototypical standard point guard. He's not going to score a ton, but he can get to the basket lightning quick. He can dish the ball. He can draw fouls. Um, and he, you really have to keep an eye on him because he doesn't look like he's going to do much. He's re- he's really sneaky given his size. But all of a sudden, you know, you mentioned that that Auburn game. He had the game-winning layup. You mentioned uh, the Tennessee game. He had the game-winning assist. Um, he's in the thick of things. So, so watch that kid play on Wednesday night because if he's going well, his assist numbers are starting to go up. That means Vanderbilt's playing really, really well. Uh,
0: who else? Who else deserves mention?
1: Well, I think for sure we got to start with Miles Studi. Um, he he came off the bench uh, in the game in the the win over um, this this past weekend, and um, Colin Smith, a true freshman, started in his place. And and Miles Studi has really been struggling shooting the ball in recent weeks. He's a, he's a three point assassin, and his shot has not been falling. Uh, He didn't play much in the second half against LSU and the loss down there. So he came off the bench uh, this past weekend and he hit a couple shots. And I think if you watch him on Wednesday, if he starts to feel it early, he's really, really streaky shooter. He's hot and cold. But if he makes some threes from the outside again, that just changes the dynamic of this Vanderbilt roster. I mean, that six guys in double figures in their last win And you know Vanderbilt's going good when they get that kind of scoring production. So watch Miles Studi, whether he starts or comes off the bench against Kentucky. Uh, he comes in there, he's going to want to shoot the three. And he has to be guarded because he can make a bunch of threes. And if he starts making those threes, Vanderbilt's going to have a good chance of the win.
0: What about Jerry Stackhouse? You mentioned he looks like a genius right now. I know uh, You know, he's, he's taken an approach where he's gotten players who are not necessarily one-and-done players, but guys that will stick around for a while, guys that will develop. Uh is, it, is this kind of uh, coming to fruition, what he wanted all along? He's got guys who's been in the – guys, you, you mentioned Miles Studi, guys like that who've been in the program for a while, who know the system, who knows what – they know what Coach Stockhouse wants. Is that what we're seeing in this uh, recent, streak, uh, recent streak of success for the Commodores?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I, I think it's it's definitely going to be a little bit of a, of a wave. Um, you know, it's going to come in waves. And I think this is – to me, this is sort of the first wave of success for his program because, like I mentioned, Miles Studi is a veteran. Trey Thomas, the backup point guard, is a veteran. Quentin Malor Brown has been there for a long time. Jordan Wright is a true senior who has been there all four years. So he's got guys in this program who have been there a long time and know what to do and know how to play Jerry Stackhouse's style of ball. And now – you mix in some transfers like Liam Robbins, who came from first Drake and then Minnesota, and Ezra Mignon is a transfer point guard. Um, and then, you know, you know, got some highly touted recruits in there. So you kind of combined all that, mix it in a pot. And I think that's sort of the program that Jerry Stackhouse wants to have. He doesn't want to go year in, year out with a bunch of transfers or maybe a bunch of one and duns and just try to, you know, he wants to build this thing long term, which, as you and I know, is really hard to do in college basketball mm-hmm. these days in this era that we live in. Uh, but but it's worked so far. So th- the trick is going to be to do that consistently. Um, I think he knows that. But I think he's got guys on this roster who he expects back next year and for years to come and sort of to keep this this wave rolling. You mentioned that uh, Coach Stackhouse hasn't
0: beaten Kentucky. I know last year in the SEC tournament, they gave Kentucky uh, in, in the quarterfinal round a heck of a game before Kentucky was able to pull that one pull that one out. And then Kentucky lost to Tennessee in the semifinals. I'm kind of throwing out the first game this year because Robbins didn't play in that game. Uh, Vanderbilt did not shoot the ball well in that game. But what do they have to do on Saturday night to upset Kentucky and uh, give Coach Stack his first win over the
1: Cats? Every Vanderbilt basketball game really under Jerry Stackhouse comes down to, to first and foremost defensively. If, if they're locked in defensively um, and especially on the defensive glass, they're going to be playing at, at their best. You go back to that LSU game, going on the road and losing to the last place LSU team was was really devastating for Vanderbilt in terms of their possible you know NCAA tournament bubble hopes. I mean, they're pretty thin anyway, but they're they're pretty much popped at this point. But they, did, they didn't show up defensively that night. And K.J. Williams went off for a career-high 35. And, and that's why they lost the game, despite playing very, very well offensively. So, first and foremost, I mean, they just got to be locked in defensively. And they, they've always been a pretty decent defensive team under Jerry Stackhouse. And then I think if you look at the offensive end, it comes to balanced scoring. I mean, Leon, as we mentioned, Liam Robbins is, is a star in the making. And he's going to score a lot of points. But they can't have him and one other kid. It's got to be him and three, four, five kids up and down the roster scoring as well. And if if that happens, Vanderbilt's a really, really tough team to beat. And that's what they've been doing for the past two, three weeks.
0: Yeah, they're they're on a roll. I think I said the game was Saturday. It's Wednesday, of course. Uh, Seven o'clock on the SEC network. Uh, well, it should be. A, it's it's an interesting matchup. Kentucky's playing really well right now, coming off a big win over Auburn. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep that going. Uh, and but I expect a much different and a much closer game than we saw the first time uh, down in Nashville, Chad. Uh, Remind the listeners where they can find your work where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your find your work online leading up to during and after the game on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, of course. VUCOMIDORS.com, the official athletics website of Vanderbilt Athletics, and then of course at Mr. Chad Bishop on Twitter.
0: Chad, always appreciate you being on the podcast. Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night.
1: Great, I'll be there. See you.
0: Okay, wanna welcome into the podcast, good friend of the podcast, good friend and colleague Ben Roberts. How you doing, Ben? Good, John. How are you? I am good, Ben. I was not there on Saturday uh, at Rep Arena. You were there on Saturday at Rep Arena for Kentucky's thirty-two point win. Uh, what? Uh, how? How surprised were you surprised? And if so, how surprised were you that Kentucky was so was able to so easily handle the Tigers?
2: Yeah, I was pretty surprised. I, it, it had gotten to the point where I thought. I mean. You know, they, they were beating teams, they were beating good teams, but they were kind of like scuffling their way through a lot of these games, even the games they won. And it had reached the point, and I think that Florida game down there earlier in the week was maybe the last draw. where I just kind of figured, you know, maybe this Kentucky team can be pretty good, but I just don't know if they're capable of, of uh, you know, blowing out not only a, a good team, but maybe any team in the SEC. That You know, their, their win over Vanderbilt down there um by 16 points, which I thought was a pretty complete effort, but they still only, only won by 16. That was their biggest win in the SEC. So, yeah, to come out uh, and, and beat Auburn the way they did and really do it over uh, the period of only a half of a game because that was anybody's game with a couple minutes left. Uh, in the first half, they were only up three, and then they went on that run, and then they went on a 9-2 a run to start the half, and then the floodgates just absolutely... Open from there. Um, and I did not, I certainly didn't see it going into that one. And, and yeah, I think it had gotten to the point in the season where I just kind of figured they're, they're not, they're not a team that's capable of, of beating, a, of beating, you know, anybody of, of any relevance by, by 20 plus points.
0: Yeah, like I said, I wasn't at the game on Saturday. I was in Atlanta where uh, for the birth of my our first uh, grandchild, but I did watch the game on TV. Uh, I mean, on TV, like you said, I mean, Auburn had a lead 25-24 uh, with like, I think, five minutes to go in the first half, and Kentucky outscored them like 62 to whatever it was after that. Uh, what was the difference? How were they able to blow them out like that?
2: I mean, I, the, the energy, and I, I think it was kind of – uh, that connectivity that, that I think a lot of us have seen over the past several weeks, and the players have obviously talked about, I think all of that just kind of came together. They got out in transition. Antonio Reeves was obviously a, a huge part of it. Um, you know, he's been so great all season at, at finding ways to get down the court. And, and even if there's defenders down there, defenders running with them, just figuring out ways to, to get space, um, stretch the defense uh keep 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 defenders away from him. Uh he can do it all, all sorts of different ways and and he was really doing that uh throughout that in, entire scoring spree. Uh, they had in the second half. I mean they they out rebounded them. They got they got offensive rebounds. They didn't miss many shots, but but they got uh, I believe 40% of their uh their their chances uh on shots they did miss. And it was just, you know, other than than Chris Livingston getting in some foul trouble, um it, it was a a complete effort from from those other four starters and, and that that the, the other four of that five that, that have been so good here lately uh case and wallace um again nine assists four steals not a not a ton of i think he had three turnovers uh you know not a ton of of mishaps out there jacob Toppin another double double uh talked about reason and then you know we get to the end of the game and you're down there looking at the box score and you see 22 and 17 next to Oscar Sheeplace name and it's, it's almost an afterthought. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, I feel like there's been a couple other games like that this season where it's kind of like a ho-hum 22 and 17. You just expected it, 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 uh, at this point And, and it doesn't really, it's not really as eye popping as it used to be, but, but that obviously was a, uh, you know, a big part of it too.
0: Jacob Toppin, you wrote about him last week, uh, Once he have 12 straight games now with uh, double-digit scoring, uh, had several double-doubles in the last few games. What kind of difference do you think he's made just getting a consistent uh, effort from him these the during this run?
2: Yeah, it's a huge difference. And I think uh, when Bruce Pearl kind of went down the line after Saturday's game and talked about what each of these uh you know especially what each of those five starters are bringing to the table um he used several adjectives to describe Jacob Toppin and most of those a big strong bouncy and physical were the four and other than bouncy I don't know that, that you would have used any right. of those to describe them a couple months ago and that's been the biggest difference in his game and I think that I don't want to say it's the biggest difference in Kentucky season, but, it, but it's, it's right there on the short list. The fact that he is not afraid to go in there and mix it up. And not, not that he was afraid before, but that just wasn't his style. He would never had to play that style. And, and it takes uh, to, to play that more physical style. It, 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 you know It's a big adjustment, especially at this level, if, you, if you've never really done it in the past, never been asked to do it. So, you know, it's something that the coaches, uh, you know, while there was all the talk about him as a three-point shooter, um, all the talk about his athleticism and kind of his highlight reel ability. Um, the coaches, the actual coaches were telling him in the, in the off season of preseason and early this season, that being physical, you know, being, being that gritty player going for rebounds, not, not, uh, uh, you know, not avoiding contact. That was going to be the key to, to his game as it pertains to this season. And somewhere along the line um, in the past couple months or so, that has really clicked. And, now you're you know you're seeing him bang up against Oscar for for rebounds you're seeing him be a lot more physical with opposing players uh, and and yeah i think if if you're looking at the two or three biggest differences from this Kentucky team right now to this Kentucky team um, a couple months ago, that that's definitely on the list.
0: Got Vandy coming up Wednesday night, 7 o'clock game on the SEC Network. Uh, it is Senior Night, which in the past has not meant a lot at Kentucky because they had so few seniors with all the one and dones. Uh, this is a little different Senior Night this year. Uh, you wrote about that. T- just talk about what fans should look for and what, what it really means on Wednesday.
2: Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a story up uh, right now on Kentucky.com. I, I think it's going to be in in uh, Tuesday's newspaper, but um, yeah, all six guys who are seniors on this team are going to be out there on their upper arena court before the game, uh, which is the most since six, six guys did it in 1975 for that team that went to the title game as nearly 50, uh, 50 years ago. Uh, Obviously by far the most in the John Calipari era, because you're you're dealing with a lot of one and dons, two and dons some guys who transferred out. Uh, So, The difference other than that here is that all six of those guys have uh, more college eligibility in front of them if they want it. Um, So, you know, I was told and I think Kentucky has now officially made this, uh, you know, put this out there. But I I was told earlier uh, this month not to put any stock in who's actually out there before the game because everybody (laughs) who was eligible was basically given the choice of do they want to go through the ceremony uh, with the caveat that, that, that doesn't mean anything about their future. So all six of these guys, uh, that are going to be out there, Oscar Sheepway, uh, Savir, uh, Wheeler, Antonio Reeves, CJ Frederick, Jacob Toppin, and, and Brennan Canada, they can all come back for another season. Um, and they still might, uh, nobody, uh, nobody has made any decision on their future. So, you know, Davion Mintz was the example given to me, you know, he went through it the last two seasons. Uh, went through it once, wasn't sure what he was going to do. Came back and then went through it again last year. So uh, I think the most, uh, you know, I I don't think there's really any chance that all six of those guys are are, are back at Kentucky next season. But I, I think it's probable that that two or maybe three, uh, or maybe even more, uh, you know, come back for for another season. So yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting night just because uh, we haven't seen anything like that in quite a while around here. Uh, but it also won't, you know, shut down any speculation or anything like
0: that. Does the extra COVID year, the year that they get the ones who went through the COVID season, does that figure into this?
2: Yeah, for most of them, that is the reason why they can come back. So uh, basically everybody but C.J. Frederick. Um, okay. And and my understanding from U.K.'s end is they think that they could give Frederick uh, two more seasons beyond this one of eligibility because of all of his injury history uh, he need a he need a, a special waiver for that, is my understanding but then he definitely would have the the extra covid year so yeah. yeah anybody who competed in that 2021 season uh basically did because it was so you know even when it started they didn't know if they'd have to shut it down halfway through they didn't know how it was going to go obviously right. there were no fans hardly any Anywhere, I think it was capped at thirty-five hundred and up. Uh, so not, you know, I think they kind of felt like it was cheating these guys out of a, a season of college basketball. So, or really, I mean, that was all sports too. I, we're seeing it in football. We're seeing it in in softball uh, across uh, the entire NCAA. Everybody mm-hmm. who competed in that academic year got that extra season. So uh, this will be, you know, Lance Ware um, and I guess Kareem Watkins are juniors this year. They will be the last group um that would get that extra year so starting right uh the season after next season that that will no longer be an issue and, and won't be as confusing to to everybody
0: Okay. well as I mentioned earlier I'm sold now I'm a grandfather I remember that 75 team very well <laughs> and uh, I especially remember him because that was the senior year for the Super Kittens uh, yep. Joe Hall's great freshman class that he brought in in those days the freshmen played separate games because they weren't eligible and I actually went to a couple of those uh, freshman games uh, at Memorial Coliseum but that was, that was a long time ago in a galaxy far away uh, <laughs> let's get back to this year okay Kentucky's already beaten Vanderbilt once as you mentioned they beat them 16 points down in Nashville, but I don't think we're going to have the same game on Wednesday. For one thing, Vanderbilt's playing a lot better right now. They've won six out of their last seven, and Vanderbilt also did not have a uh, very uh, important player for the Commodores in that first game, right? And he's back now.
2: Yeah, Liam Robbins was, uh you know, Kentucky caught him when you know Kentucky was still they they figured figured out a little, but they were still in the process of figuring some things out, um, and it, it was probably good for him that, or for them that, that they caught. Uh, Vanderbilt on that kind of two three week stretch where where Liam Robbins was was sidelined with an injury because he is uh, you know I would say easily their most impactful player and then since he's returned to the court he's been back uh, I want to say about eight games now seven or seven or eight games this might be his eighth Wednesday night uh, but since he's come back he's just been a, a step above where he was I mean he, he's putting up. 23, 24 points plus uh, regularly, a bunch of double doubles, blocking. Uh, he was already regarded as as one of the best shot blockers, maybe the second best behind Castleton, uh, in the league. And he's just he's getting a ton of block shots since he since he's come back. And Vanderbilt's won a lot of games. Uh, you know, I know they got. Um, you know, they got kind of run off the court uh, in his first game back at Alabama, but that's happened to a to a lot of teams this season. Uh, and after that one, they ran off uh, f- five in a row, had a hiccup down there at LSU. Not sure, uh, you know, what happened with that one. But uh, even in that, even in that, Robbins had 23-11 and, and nine blocks. So he, he's been great since he's come back. He's also... He's always been regarded as a as a as a capable uh, outside shooter, but he's really filled it up on on the three pointers um, since he's come back. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how uh, Kentucky defends a seven footer uh, who, who can go out there and do that. They've seen some guys kind of like that, and then defensively, obviously, we've seen how Oscar. Uh, going back to last season, can really struggle with that length, um, you know, around the basket. They've obviously, Kentucky's done a lot, uh, they, they treated him differently. They, they pulled him out more, um, which has kind of opened the floor for for some of the other guys. I think Toppen has been a, a big beneficiary for the way they're kind of using him there. Um, so, yeah, it'll be... You know, people who look back and, you know, say, oh, they, these two teams played just a little while ago and this is how it went. Yeah. I, I, you know, Kentucky might win by 16 again, but uh, I think the, the pace and the tenor of the game is, is going to be a lot different.
0: And we won't be up in the crow's nest like we were at Memorial. We'll be, we'll be up no. high, but not that high when you're yeah. up there on top yeah. of Nashville, the Nashville skyline there at Vandy at Memorial Gym. Uh, what do you got coming up, Band, between uh, now and the game on Saturday? Anything you want to plug that people should look for?
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking to uh, Oscar and Jacob uh, tomorrow morning. So, you know, something something might come out of that. Uh, you know, I, I doubt anybody's going to talk about what they're thinking beyond this season or whether this is going to be their last game in or up or anything, but I'm sure uh, some, some people might try to get them to bite on that All to right. see what they say. Uh, and then um, uh, I talked to uh, kind of a prominent bracketologist earlier today and we'll have a story. I think on on Kentucky.com Tuesday morning and should be in Wednesday's paper just about, you know, Kentucky's rise and, and uh, over these last two weeks from basically on a lot of people thought on the wrong side of the bubble to a six seven seed in a, in a matter of four games and and if uh, there's even more room for growth there because obviously they got the Vanderbilt game and then they've got a big game at Arkansas to close the regular season and that's another one that that should uh, move the needle in a positive direction should Kentucky uh, be able to be able to still one down there so and then obviously the SEC tournament after that, um, so yeah, a lot, getting near the end, but but still some some big games, and still I think the uh, potential for. Quite a bit of of movement uh, on these bracketology boards.
0: Yeah, I'll be interested too to see how they, after having such a big win and playing so well, whether there'll be any letdown on Wednesday. I'll be interested to see can they keep it going. I think they got more of a chance to keep it going because he's he's pretty much stuck with these five guys. I mean, these are going to be the guys. Don't you think these are going to be even Frederick and get Wheeler get back healthy? These are going to be the guys that carry him the rest of the way. Don't you think?
2: Yeah, barring another injury or or any sort of foul trouble, um, I think he's going to roll with with these five guys. I mean, I think as long as everybody's healthy and and, uh, a low number of fouls next to their name, I think he'd still like, like to play these five guys about 35 plus minutes a game. Uh, you know, depending on CJ's health and depending on uh, Savir's availability, but yeah, I think he likes the chemistry. I think he likes the way that all five of these guys have kind of bought into their roles and and are are recognizing everybody else's roles and and really coming together as a unit. Um, uh, but yeah, at the same time, you know, Casein Wallace has been uh, has been pulling this uh, pulling this thing for quite a while now at the point guard spot as a freshman, so. I know he he would like to get him, uh, you know, at least a, a few seconds on right, the yeah. bench, maybe around the TV some, timeout or something. Yeah,
0: he's had some uh, back so problems it, in the past, so you
2: got to yeah, be yeah, and that's cognizant of that. Absolutely, and and that's something that's kind of flared up here or there, and, and then the few times he is over there, he he puts that that uh that uh, it's not a brace, but but the wrap on his wrap on his back to to keep loose and and keep it warm and and all that. So yeah, I, you know, Cal. Has seen kind of uh, you know seasons kind of crumble toward the end with injuries and including you know last season I, I think uh, they they played a role in that so he's going to be very aware of that but at the same time you know you get in these games uh, they're close uh, as he as he told me after Gainesville I think you know it's a it's a two bucket game <laughs> you know what are you going to do you, you're going to you're going to keep your guys in there and like he did playing those five the entire twenty minutes in the second half uh, so. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if we saw games similar to that uh, in the upcoming future.
0: Well it should be an interesting matchup. Uh, as I said, Wednesday night, seven o'clock on the SEC Network, Ben. I will be there for that one at, for up uh, for the season <laughs> for the uh, home season finale. Uh, ben, remind the listeners again how they can follow you on Twitter and where the, and where they can find you online and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, it's just uh, Ben Roberts HL on Twitter, and then then obviously Kentucky.com. Um, and in the the print edition of the Herald Leader, which should be, or has been all season, but should be especially stacked with basketball uh, coverage, I would imagine absolutely. for the next. Uh, we'll, for the next, we'll see how long. I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Ben, thanks as always for being on the podcast. I'll see you on Wednesday.
2: All right. Thanks a lot.
0: Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay podcast. My thanks, as always, to my guests, Chad Bishop of Vanderbilt Athletics and Ben Roberts of Kentucky.com. Be sure and check out their work, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. It's a 7 o'clock start on the SEC network on Saturday night. Uh, follow my sidelines blog for live updates during the game and three takeaways after the game. Follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can also follow Mark Story at Mark C. Story. Follow Cam Drummond at C. Drummond97. And as Ben said, you can follow him on Twitter at Ben Roberts HL. They'll all have updates throughout the game as well. So thanks again to Chad. Thanks again to Ben. Thanks again to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.